today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God wants me happy, doesn't he? Um, yes and no. I know you're looking at me weird right now. It's like, wow, you're such a killjoy, Pastor. Yeah, God wants you happy, but the way you're going to get there is not the way that you think. See, God wants you holy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, doesn't God want me to feel happy? He wants you to be holy. Because it's only when you're holy, as He is holy, that you're happy. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. We mistakenly put a lot of faith in our emotions. We think that living a happy life is what it all comes down to. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that there is more to us than our emotions. And even if you're living life based off of feelings, you're still better off not letting them rule you. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is invariable in Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. So, we're told, verse 18, he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But, verse 20, (laughs) Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Wow, (laughs) that's good, that's smooth, isn't it? When you're lying, you know how it is when you lie? You got to keep lying because you lied. You're committed now. And you got to have a good memory too, to remember what the lie was, so that when you are questioned again, you can keep that lie alive. He's lying. And isn't it interesting that he couches it in such spiritual terms? Oh, it was the Lord. Oh, okay. Wow. So, verse 21, Isaac said to Jacob, he's he's not convinced, he's questioning it. Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, I want you to listen very carefully to this. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, verse 23, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Stop right there. Not so easily seen at first read, but he makes this decision 
based on the feelings he felt and not the word that he heard. Give me a moment here. Bear with me. This is very important, and I think you know where I'm going with this, right? So he's not convinced. He's really questioning whether or not this is Esau or not. And when he has Jacob come up to him to feel him, he feels the hair and smells the smell, and it contradicts the voice he heard. And thus he made this decision based on his feelings, when his feelings contradicted the word he heard. Now do you see where I'm going with this? How many times do we make decisions based on the feelings we feel, when that goes against the word that we've heard? You know, you've probably heard it said, how can something that feels so good be so wrong? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> oh, we're, we're living by feelings now? We make life decisions based on our feelings. And what makes this so hard, unless we be too hard on Isaac, let's be careful because we do the exact same thing. What makes it so hard is it was diametrically opposed to the voice that he heard. How many times has God spoken to us in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and we heard his voice, as the sheep know the shepherd's voice, and we know that's the Lord. The Lord is speaking to me, not audibly, doesn't need to be. The Lord speaks through His Word. It's the words of Christ, the Word of God. That's the number one way. And by the way, for those who, I just want to know if I'm in God's will, well, you have to know, and we're going to see this in a moment, that God wants you in His will more than even you yourself want to be in His will. Never imagine that God is in heaven playing a chess game with you, trying to keep you from figuring it out. Can you imagine? Quick, get down there. J.D. almost figured out my will. Mess it up. No, God wants us in His will more than we ourselves want to be in His will. And He will always create an environment that is conducive to us being in His will. He can't not. I know that's not correct sentence structure, but God cannot tempt us with evil. God will always choreograph the steps in, of our life and, the, and orchestrate the circumstances of our life so that it's conducive to us being in His will for our life. That's the nature and the character of God. But our problem is that we base it on feelings, and we do err greatly when we do this based on feelings, especially when those feelings are in direct contradiction to the Word of God. Yeah, I know that's what God's Word says. I know the Bible says that, but, and we go against what we know the Word of God says. 
and we base it on feelings. Eh, maybe this is the Holy Spirit. Hope it is. If not, Lord, let it fall to the ground. Have you ever heard the expression, or even yourself said, God wants me happy, doesn't He? Um, yes and no. I know you're looking at me weird right now. It's like, wow, you're such a killjoy, Pastor. Yeah, God wants you happy, but the way you're going to get there is not the way that you think. See, God wants you holy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, doesn't God want me to feel happy? He wants you to be holy, because it's only when you're holy, as He is holy, that you're happy. A holy life is a happy life. How about this? An unholy life is an unhappy life. I know that's deeply profound, isn't it? But think about it. Holy, whole, not half, not three quarters. You're whole, holy, fulfilled. And then you're happy. Happy is the result of holy. Show me a holy Christian, I'll show you a happy Christian. By the way, you know the word happy? You know where it originates? Happenstance. In other words, when you say, well, I'm happy, well, that must mean that you've got a reason to be happy, because your happiness is predicated upon your circumstances. How's that working out for you, by the way? <laughs> if my happiness was contingent upon the circumstances in my life, I would be happy about maybe a minute and a half a day, if that, on a good day, I would say. But holiness is not predicated upon the circumstances in my life. I can still be holy regardless of what's happening. I can still be happy because of that holiness, regardless of the circumstances in my life. And it's not just holiness and happiness, it's peace and joy. You know, the difference between joy and happiness is that the joy of the Lord is not predicated upon what's going on in your life. You can have the joy of the Lord in the midst of, I mean, the trial of your life. And by the way, stop letting the enemy get away with this. You're in a trial, and you're going through a storm, as it were, and you misinterpret, not interpret, misinterpret it as, I must be out of God's will. And the enemy's right there to pop the popcorn for you and let you watch that live stream. He'll even rent it for you and pay for it. Here I am in the trial of my life. I must not be in God's will for my life. Ask the disciples about that. Remember the account when they were sent into the boat onto the Sea of Galilee? Jesus says, I'll meet you on the other side. He knowingly sends them into a storm right smack in the middle of this perilous storm, yet they're right smack in the middle of God's will. You, you think Jesus didn't know? Like, oh, I'm so sorry, you guys. I, had I known, I, I would not have sent you into that storm. No, He knew. And there's a very interesting detail in the account. Uh, Jesus was watching them the whole time. 
I got way off where I was, so let's just join now the sermon already in progress here. I think we're verse 24. Then he said, he's still questioning whether or not this is Esau or Jacob. Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. This is a customary thing in the Middle East. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened, verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food, verse 31, and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac, verse 32, said to him, Who are you? So he said, Dad, that's very hurtful. What do you mean, who am I'm your son. Notice the detail. Your firstborn son, Esau. And I want to draw your attention to verse 33, because this is where we have our answer to the question of why Isaac is included in the hall of faith. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. I would encourage you to, in your time in God's Word, read the rest of the account. It's just powerful. It's powerful. Now, it's important to understand that Isaac trembled exceedingly and began to shake convulsively because he realized that his plan failed. Stay with me. He knew that Jacob was the one who would have the birthright, yet he tried to thwart it by getting Esau to go so he could bless him. And he realizes that his plan had failed. And not only had his plan failed, he realized that God's plan prevailed. And in the end, it would be God 
who would have the final word despite Isaac's attempt to thwart it. Enter Hebrews 11.20, where we're told that Isaac, by faith, acquiesced, by faith, in surrender, by faith, to God's will, conceding in the blessing of both, which is again why he was exceedingly afraid. Charles Spurgeon of this said, As soon as Isaac perceives that he has been wrong in wishing to bless Esau, he does not persist in it. He will give Esau such a blessing as he may, but he does not think for a moment of retracting what he has done. He feels that the hand of God was in it. What is more, he tells his son he is blessed, yea, and shall be blessed. What's happening here? He has surrendered by faith in blessing Isaac. Esau is still going to be blessed, according to the prophecy, but he's not the one who receives the birthright as the firstborn. Okay, this brings me full circle to the matter of how this applies to us today, in our day, especially concerning this global crisis, which if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it seems that it is just getting worse and worse evil and more evil by the day. God's going to have the final word. I know this might come off as an oversimplification, but no plot, no scheme, no plan will ever prevail over the plan that God has for man. Yeah. Praise the Lord, right? You know, if you weren't uh, here or did not see online uh, the prophecy update, I would really encourage you, because we looked at and talked about chiefly Psalm 37, but we also packaged it with Psalm 73. 37, 73 is a good way to remember it. Both Psalms have this one thing in common. They both speak to how in the end, don't don't get worked up and fret and hot under the collar and angry because of evildoers and their wicked schemes. Man, you would think you were reading the news feed today, right? Am I right? What's that going to accomplish? I mean, you look at the evil that is being perpetrated upon man, the evil, the wicked schemes, and it's wicked. And it's evil through and through. And now we get angry and worked up and yell at our TVs. Uh, I've, I've repented of that, by the way. I just, I'm walking in victory now, sort of. <clears throat> but anyway, God knows my heart. But what good does it do to get angry because of evildoers who carry out these wicked schemes? Don't you know that, in fact, Psalm 37, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, says, you're getting all worked up. You know what God's doing? Laughing. He laughs at them. This is, oh, no, 
you'll see what I'm going to do. In fact, there's coming a time. I'll have the final word. Don't worry. See, Psalm 73 is kind of the other side of that, where the psalmist is having this horrendous crisis of faith, because the evil is prospering, and the wicked are prospering, and it seems like God's doing nothing about it. And then at the end, when he goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, and he sees their end, it's like he goes from being angry at them to feeling sorry for them, and rightfully so. Because in the end, David in Psalm 37 says, you're going to look for them, you won't find them, because they're going to be cut off. I'm sorry, I, I can't wait. <laughs> it's just, it's just, they'll get theirs. You think they're getting away with it? <laughs> God's laughing. <laughs> you, no, they're not going to. No, no. They're not going to get away with this. I'll have the final say. Everything's going perfectly according to my plans. I mean, those schemes, that, that, you got to hand it to Rebecca, right? That's pretty clever. And it actually worked, because that was the deciding factor for Isaac, right? You sound like Jacob. Get over here, boy. Feels the hair. It worked. Oh, would to God that our schemes would not work, <laughs> because then we think we got away with it. You don't get away with it. Those that are perpetrating this evil upon man, in this the last hour, the final hour, as John says, God's going to have the final word in the end. And how do I say this without sounding too snarky? Give me a moment. <laughs> um, I hope I get to see it. Let me explain myself. Some of you are looking at me going, you please do. you got some splaining to do. What do you mean by that? Well, we're told that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be there when that happens, because I want to see that. Because there are those now that I am seeing, and they are blaspheming my Savior with their ugly mouth, their tongues, they're blaspheming Jesus. I want to be there when they confess with their mouths. By the way, it won't be for salvation, it's for eternal damnation when they do. Because that's the end. That's how it ends. And I'll just take it a step further and then we'll turn a corner here. <laughs> Knowing that in all fairness to the psalmist in Psalm 73, that's what gets me through the day, by the way, is knowing that God is going to have the final word. It's hard for me, uh, did, Lord, am I supposed to? It's hard for me to go out anymore, out and about, and see people, because it's so heartbreaking, especially kids. And I just see the fear in their eyes, and nothing's the same anymore, and it's heartbreaking to me. And these people need Jesus, and they have no idea what's coming. 
and embrace my heart. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 